Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Jumping straight from the Royal Academy of Music into a stunning performance career, playing stadiums and arenas with stars such as Rihanna, Jesse J, Jason Derulo, and Tyre Cruz, Hannah V soon found her true love in production and songwriting, working with major label artists such as Yola, Stormzy, J.P. Cooper, Lala Hathaway, and Toby. In 2018, she scored her first gold-certified album from producing and co-writing on J.P. Cooper's Raised Under Grey Skies, and in 2021 was part of the writing team for Yola's Grammy-nominated album Stand For Myself. A familiar face at recording studios across Germany, America and in the UK, also including the iconic Abbey Road. In 2022, her version of Rihanna's Diamonds featured in the highly acclaimed second season of Bridgerton. She has been nominated twice for a Music Producer Guild Award. As a member of the Ivers Academy Songwriting Committee, Hannah regularly judges categories in the annual awards. Beyond her musical accomplishments, Hannah V remains committed to using her platform for social change. She passionately advocates for inclusivity, diversity and the empowerment of marginalized voices within the music industry. Hannah's work to support female artists within the industry has ranged in the last year from working on female-only albums to selecting, mentoring and producing three new female artists at Abbey Road under the DHL Fast Track campaign and participating in various female-only writing camps with labels such as Motown. This year has also seen Hannah travel to Cape Town regularly to collaborate with and support disadvantaged emerging artists in their creative journeys. Up next, live in studio, we have got Hannah V. So, Hannah V, live yes, in studio with me on Celeb Savant today. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So nice to meet you, and I'm so grateful to have you on this show today. So tell us, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. It's my last few hours in Josie, my first time in Josie. After this, I'm going to head to the airport, back to Cape Town, mm-hmm. a couple more weeks, then back to London. So, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. So now let's rewind. Yes. All the way to the very beginning. The very beginning. So what age did you realize, cool, I want to be in the entertainment industry? Mm. And how did that journey roll out and accumulate to where we are today? I don't think it was a conscious decision with me. Um, I took piano lessons when I was a kid. Um, I went quite the classical route, as in, you know, had classical piano lessons. Mm. I entered competitions. I was quite good at it. School I went to, um, I went to school in Berlin, but I went to an international school, an American school. So we had an amazing music program there. So the teachers realized that I was quite musical. So I started playing in bands and orchestras, accompanying singers. And so I was surrounded by music. Mm. Um, I was also playing in church. My family was very supportive. And so I found myself kind of just being nurtured. You know, I call it a three-pronged attack from school, church and parents. Yes. And so it wasn't a decision. It was just something that naturally there was not going to be any other way. Okay. You know, because I did like even when I was a teenager, I did like band camps in the States, jazz camps in the States. Mm. So it was always clear I wanted to be a jazz pianist. It was always clear that that was going to be my route, you know. Why jazz? When I was 14, my one of my teachers, Dr. Hinton, amazing, amazing, amazing person, gave me two tapes. 
Um, and they had a Miles Davis record, a Coltrane record, a McCoy Turner record, and a Roy Hargrove record. Mm. She said, Hannah, I think you'd like this. I listened to these records, absolutely fell in love, and wanted to immediately learn how to play jazz. And, you know, like once the bug gets you, mm. that's it. Cool. So you decided to become a jazz yeah. pianist. And mm-hmm. then how did that progress? So then um, I decided I wanted to study music, you know, um, and I was living in Berlin at this point. Um, so I had auditioned for um, the Royal Academy of Music in London, yep. got accepted there and moved to London to okay. train at the conservatory. And next steps. How next steps. <laughs> then realized um, at the academy after um, I graduated, realized that you don't make a lot of money with jazz unless you're like elite, elite top, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to, but I, I knew I wanted to stay in London. I never wanted to move back to Berlin. I, lo- I love the, you know, cosmopolitan vibe of London. Yes. I just liked London. So initially, you know, I spent years of just like playing in hotel bars, doing piano lessons, mm-hmm. kind of doing whatever I needed to do to make ends meet. You know, I was a PA, I worked in bars, whatever I needed to do. Um, but one day I got a phone call from one of my friends from college, actually, from um, the Royal Academy saying, Hannah, um, a pop artist needs a keyboard player. Do you want to play? And I had never really done session work before, but yes. I'm always a type of person that just says yes to opportunities. I, I just say, let's go yes. for it, you know? Um, I said yes, and that's where my session career started. I, it turned out that I came naturally to me programming keyboards, playing playing those type of songs. It's a very like um, efficient way of working pop compared to jazz. You know, in jazz, we go to rehearsals. If we rehearse, we rehearse 22 songs, and we do the gig the next day. Mm-hmm. In pop, you do one song a day because every lick is thought about, every sound is thought about, the mm. arrangements, and, you know, obviously... You know, it's all like ties into choreography and screens and fire and just, you know, like it's a big yeah. productions. And for me, it felt very natural. Um, I had like a natural inclination yes. to that type of meticulous work. So I ended up kind of, you know, after my first couple of pop gigs, I ended up climbing up the ladder quite soon. So, mm. you know, before I knew it, you know, I was playing for Anastasia, for the Sugar Babes, for Girls Aloud. Um the big call came one day on a Tuesday. I got a call um, to be in Rihanna's band on a Friday. I wow. flew to L.A. Yes. and kind of didn't come back for a year. You know, I was Jesse J's keyboard player for three years. I played for Tyre Cruz, Jay Sean. Uh, I mean, lots and lots of different artists. Um, so I was very fortunate to tour the world, play some of the biggest stages in the world. I've done Wembley Stadium a bunch of times, you know, Madison Square Garden, Staples Center. It was incredible. For the listeners who do not know, what is session work? Session work is when you are in the band of a big artist. Okay. So I was playing keyboards yes. for Rihanna or for Jesse J okay. or for Tyler Cruz or for, you know. You mentioned a bunch of artists mm-hmm. and not pointing fingers at any, other, any of the mm-hmm. names or anything. But was it by doing the session work for those different artists, yeah. was it the same in the sense of what you had to do for each artist and the routine and um, the different ways it worked, or for each artist was a different routine, different thing to do? Yeah, I think um, every artist had a different approach because, you know, every artist has a different musical director. Every artist approaches a different. American artists approach shows different to UK artists in the UK. People like to keep it quite close to the record, you know? Okay, yes. Whereas in the States, you know, you really switch it up with arrangements, um... And and so, like, each artist kind of brought something really unique to the table yes. that I learned from, you know. And, and again, artists are different, you know, like someone like Rihanna, um, there's a lot of partying going on, you know, because mm. that's, that's part of a character. That's also part of a job, you know, club appearances after the show. It was a very lit gig. 
Um, other artists, for example, Jessie J, you know, she's much more kind of, that's not her scene, yes. you know, so that we wouldn't do all of that, you know. Um, and so you kind of adapt to the artists you go out with okay. as well. After all these mm. world tours and mm. session work, what was next? It's a kind of a crazy thing to say because um, at the end of my session career, something in my stomach kept telling me, Hannah, I think it's time for a change. And But then I'm thinking, Hannah, you're living the dream. You're traveling the world. You're playing the biggest stages on the planet. You're playing with some of the biggest artists on the planet. Why would you want to change that? But um, I found that after a while, like touring is exhausting you know and you're gone the tours i was doing they're big tours so you're gone for eight months at a time you come home for a couple of weeks and then you're back on the road again mm. you know so i felt like um the only way i can describe it is like i felt like a ghost because you're not there for your family you're not there for your friends you're not you're not around because you're yes. just always you're living in this we call it the tour bubble you know we're li living in this tour bubble and also i was thinking You know, I come from a jazz piano background, from a real muso background. So as amazing as these big stages were, I never dreamt of them. You know, like it was never like on my wish list. I want to play Wembley Stadium. It's amazing that I did it, but I was always about the art. And I just knew that it was time for a change, but I didn't know how this change was going to come. I did yes. not know how it was going to happen because I was so cemented now as one of the leading session keyboard players in the UK and the mm -hmm. world, really, you know. Um, so how do you even move from that yeah. when you're at the top of your game? How do you how do you switch it up? Well, by God's grace, for me anyways, um, I got very, un uh, very unexpectedly, I got signed to Sony Records um, as a producer and okay. I got a producer artist deal. It was a small deal, an EP and a couple of singles, but en enough of a deal for me to say I'm quitting being a session musician. Okay. And so that's where my production, my journey as a producer started. Had you had done production before? I had, okay. but to be fair, I'd only tinkered, but always on the tour buses when I was around producers, you know, I always had my laptop. I always had, you know, logic. I was always learning from people around me. And again, as a keyboard player, you, you get parts sent to you from the producers, you know? So yeah. imagine I'm, I'm with Rihanna and I'm getting stems from Kanye West. I'm getting stems from Hitboy, you know? So I'm around yes. the individual parts, you know? And I think that's where also like my interest was awoken. I was thinking, man, this is like, I think I can do, like, I think I can be on the other side as well. Um, so yeah, I was, I was dabbling, but when I got signed, I definitely needed like for the first year, one of my close friends um, who was a producer kind of helped me, taught me the ropes in yes. terms of professional production, mm. you know, because even in terms of deliverables, I didn't know what deliverables were, were to a label. I, did, I didn't know how a campaign worked. I didn't know any of these mm. things, you know, I just got signed and all of a sudden it's like, okay, Hannah, what a what are you going to produce now? I was like, whoa, I don't know. So it took me about a year or so to find my feet, yes. slowly figure out what my sound actually was. Because again, as a session musician, you listen to your musical director. I don't think of myself or my individuality because that's not what the job is. Hannah V, the Hannah Vassanth, the session musician, it took a second for me to become Hannah V, the artist, the producer, yes. the person with my own musical identity. Now, during that year of mm -hmm. transitioning and mm -hmm. understanding and mm -hmm getting stuck into mm. it. Were there any periods of time it's like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. And okay. I think also it's like, um, I had real FOMO um, for the first six months because you have to understand, I lived out of my suitcases. I was on tour hard for like eight years or something like yes. that. And so for me, even though it was a decision I made for me to pack away my suitcases, 
it was emotional for me. And then I see like all my friends traveling, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, you're staying in my favorite hotel in Singapore. Oh my gosh, you're going to, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I could see like all of these cool things happening. And I was jealous, yeah. even though I had made this decision, you mm. know, um, because I still didn't know what I was doing as uh, my artist journey. Like it was new to me. But about six months into um, into my new path, I was kind of thinking, whoa, wait, so you're telling me my job is to go into the studio and whatever's in my head, just put it into the computer. This is amazing, you know, but it definitely took me a second to adjust. And also, um, as a producer, when I came came into the game as a producer, I had to start from scratch because in studio world, nobody cared that I'd played for Rihanna, that I played for Jesse. Yes. So all my stripes didn't matter. So it was humbling too, you know, going from being at the top of the game yes. to being at the bottom and having to work myself up again. When you were confronted with that, mm. of being, who cares you played with? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts? How did you pick yourself up to say, okay, cool. Now I realize this. Mm. I have to start, not necessarily for again, mm. but sort of at a lower level. Mm, mm. What was the motivation like? Okay, just keep going, just keep going, just keep swimming, just yeah. keep swimming. You know what? I wasn't even mad about that. I totally understood. And... I knew that for me to become as good of a producer as I'm a pianist, it's going to take time. Okay. I spent my whole life practicing the piano. Yes. To, you know, so, so for me, that was just part of the process. Um, it didn't get me down. I didn't expect to immediately be at the top of my game. I was surprised initially because it, it had been a while since I'd been a beginner in something. Yes. You know? So those were new emotions. But then I was just like, well, just get my, keep my head down and become good. Okay. I have to become good. You know, The only way... Through it is through it, right? Mm. Love the same way. So what is good in production? Mm. Let's uh, dissect that. Mm, interesting. So I think a couple of different aspects. First of all, you have to technically be on top of your game. You have to be fast. Um, you have to have knowledge of the equipment, of the latest plugins, of the, all the software. You constantly, technology keeps changing mm. really on a daily basis. So you have to be on top of it. But that's only one side of being a producer. Another side, the main side for me of being a producer is how do I get the best out of my artists? Each human being is different. Each artist is different. So I have to suss out within five minutes of meeting an artist. Are you the shy person? Are you loud? Do you need to, you know, have a drink first? Do you need to go outside and talk first? Are you ready to just get track, uh, cracking because you're experienced in the studio? How do I get the best mm. out of you? How do I get the real you? That is my job. Nobody teaches you that. People skills, empathy, mm. being able to read a person and being mm. like, okay, you're this kind of person, so I'm going to do this and this and this and that. Because I always like challenging my artists and getting something new out of them. I always ask them, what, what haven't you explored? What sound haven't you explored? Let's try it. You know, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But yeah. that's, like, that's like my space. That's where I thrive. You know, like let's take risks. Let's dive into... Do you work in all genres mm -hmm. or what are your favorite genres? Mm -hmm. So, no, I think I consider myself a specialist producer. Okay. I love working, and I think this is because of my background in jazz. I love working with singer singers, people that can sing, 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 people mm -hmm. that technically, emotionally are at the top of their game. I thrive on that because I know how to work a voice like that. Um, I love people with a story. That's really important to me too, you know. Do you have something to say for real? You know, I like, me I like making meaningful music. Mm. Um, so I work with a lot of singer-songwriters, but I also love working with rappers. I love working in R&B and hip-hop and, you know, like in harder sounds as well, you yeah. know? It's a broad definition of what pop music is. But 
you won't necessarily find me like making dance bangers because I only make the type of music I listen to and I'm picky about what I listen to. How does it work when you, mm. for an artist, do they approach you mm. or do you approach them or is it a combination of both? There's different, com- um, different ways of how artists um, link up with me. I mean, we all have teams, you know, so maybe it's management, maybe it's through labels, maybe it's through publishers. At this point, you know, I'm, I'm close with a lot of the A&R, so they'll just be like, Hannah, we've got a new artist and we're going to send them to you, want to see what you do. But a lot of it is also through socials, you know, like if I hear someone that I like, I'll just hit them up. My friends recommend me artists. Mm. Um, so, so it's very much, there is a, lo- uh, a big part of it is word of mouth and just like reaching out organically, very organically. Yes. So you mentioned earlier about the technology and <laughs> things changing all the time. Yeah. I love me a CD. Yes. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, like holding the booklet, the mm-hmm. pictures, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. For me, it's an energy exchange to the mm. artist to say, thank you. Mm. Thank you for your hard work. Mm. Thank you for your creativity. Mm. Thank you for uplifting me with your music. Mm. I'm very grateful, and I'm not sure if you're aware, mm. CDs, cassettes, mm. vinyls are making a massive comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've also got these digital platforms. Mm-hmm. What are your perceptions of each and is there preference for you that you enjoy working with? No, you know what? Um, I just move with the times uh, and I'm not even mad about streaming anymore because that's just the world we live in, mm. you know, and I, I have to adapt, you know, for me to sit there and kind of think about the good old days. It's not going to work. You know, mm. I just need to constantly adapt this is where we are. Technology is where it's at. Streaming is where it's at. Income from streaming isn't great. So I make very calculated decisions about who I go in with. I'm at the stage in my career where even if somebody's amazing, I can't just go in with you just because you've got an amazing voice. There has to be a team behind you. And, I, and I, I don't like that that is the way it is. But ultimately, this is how I pay my rent, right? Yeah. So I have, I have to look at the bigger picture, you know, like, are you, yes, you're amazing. That's a given. But then do you have good management? Do you have publishers? Are you maybe signed if you're not signed? You know, do you have a good team that you work with? Because in this day and age, I think it's something like 80,000 tracks get uploaded every day on yes, Spotify. Exactly. So how am I, how is my work with the artists going to cut through the noise? Exactly. And just good music alone isn't enough. Yeah. You know, we do have to have an infrastructure around us. And so I have to make decisions based on people's yeah. surroundings yeah. and their teams. It is what it is. And are you still signed with Sony? No. Okay. Yeah. So that deal was about two, three years. Okay. Um, but it taught me so much. It taught me how to be an artist. It taught me production skills. It taught me about campaigns. And so now I'm kind of, I feel very comfortable working with major label artists. I feel very comfortable working with independent artists at the beginning mm. of that journey. I'm, I'm kind of comfortable in any, any room. And so you're not signed to anyone, you, you're working for yourself? Yeah, yes. working for myself, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the technical side. Mm. So when you first started, was there someone to teach you that or was it YouTube? <laughs> no, you know what? I learned from watching people and I'm okay. so grateful that I had that because you don't know until you see it. You yes. need to see it. Mm, yeah. And even YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. For me personally, I need to see a producer working with an artist. I need to see it. I need to see the process and I need to look at the computer. I need to look at the shortcuts, you know. And then you can ask questions. Real time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's how I learned. And again, I was very fortunate that I had amazing producers around me um, that I was either touring with or that were my friends where I just ask questions. I'm not afraid of asking questions. I don't care. I don't don't care if I look dumb or not. You know, like I will ask, 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 ask. Like I'm I'm hungry for knowledge. I've always been that person. And so, yeah, so that's how I learned. I learned by sitting in the back of studios and asking questions. 
What's next? Oof. <laughs> I don't do the what's next thing. Oh, okay. Because my career path, my life has been so unexpected and crazy and there's so mm. many twists and turns even yeah. this whole South Africa thing I came to South Africa in January with my parents to Cape Town on a holiday loved the place came in March for a month not knowing anyone to make music I didn't know anyone I had no studio I knew nothing yes. you know made amazing songs and come, came back now for another month you know to make more music and like I'm loving working here you know and I travel a lot in general with, um, with music and with production and stuff like Switches, you know, like I could get a call tomorrow saying, Hannah, we need you to cut an album with so-and-so in some part of the world. Yes. And then, then I'll fly over. I just feel very fortunate that this is my reality. You know, mm. like I work with incredible artists. I make amazing music. I get to see the world. I get to meet people from different cultures. Mm. I get to learn about different cultures. It's just a dream. You mentioned mm. about being a call to do an album. So... Mm. Do you generally do albums or do you do singles or do you both? And which do you prefer? Um, I do both. Albums are take a long time. Singles I can turn around from beginning of writing the track. I can maybe turn it around in two weeks, you know? Okay. Albums, we're talking four, five, six months. But being part of a body of work mm. is amazing. Yeah. There's something about that. And there's also something special about... Um, I just finished an album with an incredible um, Tunisian artist called Emel Mathlutli. It's coming out next year. Mm. We started in New York. Then we continued in Paris. We worked on it in London. We worked on it online, back and forth. And, um, you know, the project is amazing. And it took us months and months and months and months mm. and months, you know. And we really only just wrapped it. So a year after I joined the project. It's hard, hardcore doing albums. Mm. But I like the overview. I like the whole story yes. and like being part of the entire process. So yeah, I like doing both. But when I do an album, I have to really, I do not have space to do okay. different artists. And then I miss that, you know, because usually like right now I'm working with three, four different artists a week. When I'm in album mode, yes. that doesn't happen. So, but it seems like though, even though you're not doing the tour album mm. anymore, it seems like you're still traveling yeah, around and going yeah. all over and doing, yeah. getting busy. So yeah. it was probably not as hectic because I know mm. with tours, on the stage, off the stage, exactly. change, bus, yeah. plane, whatever. Mm. It's a little more calm. Yeah. You can take more time to experience yes. the world. Correct, correct. That was the main thing I missed about touring. It was mm. the traveling. I was thinking, oh man, I love seeing the world. And I'm so glad that in the last two, three, four years, kind of, I've been able to, I mean, it's, it's stuff I've instigated. You know, I've mm. said, I'm going to go to LA for five weeks. I'm going to go back to Berlin and work there. I'm going to, you know do these pockets of writing in different cities and different countries. And it's working out really well for me yes. because I, I think I've never been the type of person to be too scared. Just, just drop me off and I'll figure it out. Yes. You know, I'll make it work somehow. Yeah, you talk to people, mm. you meet people. Yeah. I love this game. Mm -hmm. I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two minutes, two yeah. hours, two years, I understand mm. and I recognize your answer will be different mm -hmm. every single time. Go on. Because there's thousands of them. Yeah. If you had to push play to five songs yeah. by other artists once we finish this, this conversation, yeah. what would those songs be and by whom? Okay, I'd probably do a Joni Mitchell song because I love Joni, both sides now. Mm -hmm. I'd have to have a classic jazz track, so maybe something from Miles's Kind of Blue. I love Mac Miller, so I'd have one of his tracks. Not sure which one, but okay. I'd have one of Mac's tracks. Aretha, gotta have Aretha, mm -hmm. greatest artist ever to have ever lived. Oof, who's one coming? More, one more. Oof. <laughs> so we got hip hop, jazz, 
We got Soul. We got classic singer-songwriter with Joni. Hey, this is hard. The last yeah. one is hard. It should be someone modern. Hold on, you got me stumped on this one. Wait, I'll, I'll get there. I'll <laughs> yeah, get there. I'll get that's there. That's like this game. Yeah. I love this game. Yeah. Um, part of me wants to go back to like more um, another soul artist and say okay. Donny Hathaway or Stevie. Yeah, I'm going to say joint tied a tie between Donny and Stevie. Lovely. So the podcast is listened throughout the world, mm-hmm. all your stops on mm-hmm. your journeys. As a final message to the audience, what would you like to say? It took me a long time to figure out where I fit in my job, in the world, as a person. Mm. But that's part of the process. So trust the process, keep going on and be patient with yourself. Be patient with the vocation. It'll all click into place. And when it does, it's a beautiful feeling. Yeah.